I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Emily Cunningham. And I'm Anthony Pettiford. Welcome to Gym City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We're from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. In today's episode, we're going to ask questions. Uh, so I had a question for you guys of being white people in today's current climate. So all I've heard about and witnessed and felt uh, is my experience as a person of color. Um, when you see things happen, there's this pit in your stomach that just continues to dig deeper and deeper and deeper because it's just it, things are getting scarier by the day. It feels like every step forward kind of takes two steps backwards. How do you guys view the situation out there currently? You know, I think it's totally different, you know, and and to me, the, the way that I see my feeling is from a, a moment of sympathy versus, you know, you're describing your feeling as a moment of fear. Um, I think we probably both share in the, in the feeling of anger, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's hard. Like I... I acknowledge my my white privilege and the fact that I don't need to go to the grocery store and question like, is this person following me because they think I'm stealing something? Mm-hmm. I don't need to see someone cross the street and think like, are they crossing the street because they're afraid to walk next to me? And then on kind of in light of the the recent events, like I don't need to, to worry, like am I going to be killed because of the color of my skin? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not a fear, um, which, which is hard, I think, in sometimes to grapple with. But it's more a moment of sympathy and seeing people who I care about who are in pain, people that I've worked with who are in pain, people that I don't know, but who just by no fault of their own are in pain and are suffering. I mean, that's hard to to come to terms with. Um, and, you know, I think I've long said that one of my priorities in my life is to be able to use my privileges to to fight and to to make a difference. Um, but certainly in this situation, it's like there's definitely a balance of what is my role as an ally, as a accomplice in this moment right now, and, and what is an area that I just need to stand back a little bit. Um, I know Anthony, myself, and you have, have talked about Dave Chappelle, um, who Dave Chappelle, in one of his first shows, had said, you know, like, this is not a time for celebrities to speak because this is the first time that the people have been given a true voice to speak their mind on an issue. The streets can talk. The streets can talk, exactly. And for me as a white person, like I want my voice to be helpful. I want my position to be something that can truly make a difference. But also, you know, I do have a hard time in this moment of like trying to be very strategic to not overpower mm-hmm. a person of color's voice, to not overpower a person of color's experience because it's not mine and it's not something that I can relate to as a white person. Because I guess you are dancing on the line of being the white savior, your white privilege, and being an ally. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting on where you have to figure out where to fall for those different scenario- or d- different titles. Right. Um, well, and, you know, there, there's also what I see as helpful mm-hmm. versus that might not exactly line up with what someone else needs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think like to me, a lot of what's needed right now is conversation is information. um, And it's also just showing up, you know, because if you show up, people are going to ask, 
mm-hmm. you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I shared in the anger and the sadness. And I also am grappling with, am I overstepping? That's why I appreciate this podcast because we are able to sort of relinquish our platform to uplift the voices of those that have not previously been given the chance to talk about their issues. It's not my issue to talk about. There's a fine line between like white savior and ally. And I, I don't ever want to cross that line. You know, and I, I will say also kind of on the same issue as far as feelings, it's certainly cemented in my mind why I wake up in the morning and go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, going to work is one of the biggest protests I can do in my entire life. You know, going every single day and working 40 hours a week at the minimum towards equality, whether that or equity, rather, mm-hmm. whether that be racial equity, whether that be um, LGBTQ equity, whatever that may be. Um, right now in this moment, like going to work and being able to use my platform at NCCJ and being able to lead programs and host conversations and listen to the citizens like it's shown just how important these conversations are so my next question is about experience so each of us at this table has something that would put us in a minority so have you guys have you like have you ever felt anti-semitism and have you ever felt sexism recently that you could pull as an example yeah, I mean, I actually very recently, probably in June, um, had moved from my oh, apartment in Fairborn mm-hmm. to an apartment um, next to the Green Town Center in, in Beaver Creek. And there's a route that I take every morning. I walk my, my dog, Rosie, and we were walking on this route one day, me, my wife, and my dog, and like noticed off to the side this spillway that was covered in graffiti, including swastikas. And it said, you know, like F the Jews and, um, and different really anti-Semitic types of language and and imagery like that. And, you know, we've seen more of an uptick in those types of things recently. And, um, I, I often share with people like I've had, when I wear my, my Jewish star, for example, like I have to think about that moment. I have to think about what experience or what 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 type of people am I surrounding myself with right now like in a public atmosphere like I would not wear a Jewish star on the outside of my shirt and I think that's an experience that's shared by a lot of Jewish people is like you know do I is this a shirt out or a shirt in type of day for my symbol you know and and I feel blessed as a Jewish person that like I don't appear Jewish I don't um I'm able to hide that oppressed identity um Whereas, you know, a person of color is not able to hide that they're a person of color. Um, But, I mean, certainly it's hard when you see that. And that's such an ingrained piece of who you are. And I think for your experience, and I've also had experience where you walk past a wall and something spray painted on there. But it's the the facelessness of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary feeling. It's like what I feel a lot of times for Facebook and Instagram now is... All of it's faceless to me still. Like, even if you have a profile, it's not your real face. It's the picture of Deadpool or something. And you have to read, or you don't have to, but you read someone's post and it's hurtful and you don't know where it came from and you don't know how to address it or how to confront it. It's just there. Yeah. Um, But you went through and you guys painted it, didn't you? 
Or so, you got the community together to paint it? Well, the, the town center ended up painting it, but, you know, I was really amazed we had a muralist who was going to be, you know, who wanted to cover it up with something more positive. It ended up, you know, the, the, the shopping center just wanted to cover it up and, and kind of have that be the end, which is fine. They, you know, they responded promptly and quickly. The mayor um, got involved and the police department got involved. And, you know, I, I think you're right about like the facelessness, which is, which can be really tough, especially when it's so close to home. I mean, where I found this was, you know, I walked there. So it's really close to my house. Um, you know, and the mayor said, like, you know, it's probably just kids. Maybe they weren't even sure about the symbols. But um, I think that's kind of troublesome in a little in, in several ways. First of all, um, if it is kids and they don't understand the symbolism behind that. OK, then we've failed our children as far as educating them if they're willing to to share such hurtful statements and not be afraid of where that statement came from. You know, that's kind of the first component of that. And the other is. It, it could be kids for sure, but also it could not, you know, and um, for me as somebody like I still am going to live there and I'm still going to walk there and live my life. Um, but there is always the concern of like, what happens if I run into that person? Mm -hmm. You know, if that faceless becomes faced. And you have the situation where, like you said, if it was kids, is it a they got online and saw a picture and drew it or was it learned at home? Mm -hmm. And that's what scares me more is to learn at home. Right. Where did you see that symbol? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what made you bold enough to spray paint it on a public space? Right. Well, and, you know, clearly it's not that they happened upon a swastika shape if that swastika was was next to F the Jews. I mean, mm -hmm. cl clearly there was an understanding to some extent of what that symbol Yeah, unless he means. came up and was like, oh, there it says that. I'm going to add a swastika just to add the icing on top. No. Right. No. So... What about your experience, Emily? When Lake was speaking, I was, you know, thinking of my own experiences. And as he was speaking, I realized that I have these learned actions that I do, like they're more ingrained and I don't necessarily recognize them. Like today I was getting dressed to come here and I was like, okay, what's going to make me look most professional? I want to be taken as seriously as possible. And I was like, wait a minute, I, I know what I'm doing. I've done my research. So why do I have to present myself in a way to command respect with my appearance? Mm -hmm. And I know that for women of color, especially black women with their hair, that is a lot of workplaces deem certain hairstyles unprofessional. While I don't have that kind of obstacle that I have to overcome. So I'm not trying to say that I have the exact same experience. But there are some shared experiences among women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I think what you mentioned is kind of is pretty important here. And that's like the automatic nature of it um, mm -hmm. that, you know, until you think about it, maybe you don't realize that that's happening. But sometimes the things that we do are so automatic, whether that be me tucking my Jewish star under my shirt and not even thinking about it mm -hmm. or you doing something, you know, as far as your clothing or your appearance to give the impression that you have more authority or to, to give you the appearance that you should be taken seriously when, when ultimately those things should not define exactly your person. Uh, even with COVID going on right now, for me, uh, being a person of color, I smile to make people more comfortable because walking down an aisle in a store, walking on the street, people are tense. 
it just depends. And so sometimes you give a smile just to let people know that you're not going to hurt them. And that's a weird thing. Like you never are, but you have to walk down the street with the acknowledgement that I have to make myself seem like less of a threat. And we've made this joke before, at least I've made it with you, Lake, is that it looks worse because instead you can't see my mouth. You just see me squinting at you now. Um, but no, it's just, it's a scary world that we have, we need to fall. We have to fall on a weird cookie cutter, uh, routine for ourselves. Like you said, you have to, you had to look professional, even though you were just meeting the two of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, we, we've seen stories all the time of like black youth who feel like they need to take their hood down when they're walking around outside. I had, a, I had in 2004, no, it was right after. Oh shoot, where was I? I was walking in Florida, I think, and I had a guy come up behind me and pull my hood down. And all he said was stay safe. Mm. And that was that was the only interaction I had with him. But I remember that happened like in 2013. And this guy just came down, pulled my hood off, because it was dusk, and I was just walking around. I had just been on a run, and to me it was kind of cold, but he pulled my hood down. And I just felt like that was the weirdest thing. But when you're thinking back, like in in his mind it was to protect me from something happening because mm -hmm. wow. hoods were dangerous at the time how'd you feel in that moment it was you at the time it was like oh someone's looking out for me but then as time moved forward it was why can't i wear a hood mm -hmm. why is that dangerous um here's a here's a funny not funny example uh when you guys go on road trips and you have to use the bathroom in a restaurant uh, a gas station do you buy something first no I know a lot of people of color who you have to buy something first to mm. justify using a facility mm. so that there isn't an issue started. I don't know if that's just a, a regional thing for the people of color that I know, but that's, we were, me and my friends were talking about it once where it was like, I've never stopped in a gas station and not bought something to justify me being inside so that no one stopped and harassed me. Because mm -hmm. that's my biggest fear. That's a lot of people's biggest fear is being harassed anywhere. Mm -hmm. And what can you do to prevent it? Like you said, don't wear a hood. You'll avoid harassment. Um, smile. Don't look scary. You could avoid, you know, police interaction, stuff like that. My last question for you guys is um, not every racist act is in the purpose of being racist. A lot of it is learned. We'll even use as of now. Have you guys realized or found anything that you did or have done that would now fall into the phrase of like, it was prejudiced or racist, but it's something that you never thought about. Um, like a joke or something like that, or even a stereotype that was just part of growing up or just something that you didn't find different until you got older and realized this wasn't okay, or maybe I should do things differently. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hard pressed to figure out, you know, kind of a specific example, but mm -hmm. I think the hard reality is like, it's so ingrained in our life and in our culture like you know we had expectations for like the black athletes in our school that you would play on the basketball team mm -hmm. um and that was like was it written no was it spoken no did it happen yes it was that pressure there absolutely um you know so i just think like it's it's so often that these things happen and we don't even really realize it like what's really important to me is and I think I've realized this, like, the older I get and the more educated I get around, you know, regarding equity and inclusion issues is, like, taking a step back and stopping it because these things are happening all around us at all times. But, like, stopping in that moment and saying, like, whoa, like, where did that just come from? You mm -hmm. know, why did I expect 
that this basketball player was going to be a person of color. Like, let's stop for a moment and evaluate that. Um, and I think having that internal dialogue with yourself or even sometimes an external dialogue with the people around you, that's what I found to be really, really helpful. You know, I can't think of any any big examples at, at this moment in time right now, but but I think that's really the, the key to all of this is stop, evaluate, let's talk about it, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, a simple one that I've done recently on like just unconscious or subconsciously was uh, my friend was talking about his boss and I said, what do you do? I just assumed that it was a guy mm-hmm. and you know, it was a little one. And I caught myself. Uh, we just did any town. I was like, what well, you know, what do they want? Mm. Should have been my response. But mm-hmm. my thought was to jump to that. It's a male. Not because, you know, of any other reason, but it's just something in my brain was that's how I respond to that question. Yeah, you know, I saw something, some sort of, you know, silly like BuzzFeed quiz or something. And, you know, it, it said like the situation basically would be summed up as the, someone's son was in a car accident. The dad goes and picks up the son and drives him to the hospital. And like the the doctor ends up being the son's parent. And they're like, how could this be possible? Um, Oh, the riddle? It's a riddle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a riddle, you know, and basically you're supposed to come to either the realization that, like, the doctor is also a man and it's a gay couple or that the doctor is a woman, Mm -hmm. but our brain automatically thinks, like, huh, if the dad is the one driving him to the hospital, but the dad or but the doctor's there, how could that happen? Um, you know, but just kind of playing on the fact that we assume that the doctor is going to be a man mm-hmm. and the nurse is going to be a woman and that's how our hospital experience is going to go. Yeah. When that's not always the case. Yeah. That also reminds me of in conversation when you're talking about people, white is the default. Mm-hmm. They yes. always, people feel the need to say, oh, it was a black person. It was an Asian mm-hmm. person. But they never say it was a white person who, you know, walked into Kroger. White seems to be the default. Well, I was at an event recently where we were drawing and we had uh, several kids there. And while they were drawing themselves, they would say, can you pass me the skin color? And it was a light tan color. And that's how they drew themselves. And it just was one of those things. I remember like even on uh, when you got the special marker kit when I was in elementary school and there was skin color and mm-hmm. it was just a light tan marker because that like you said was the default um and it was just interesting and kind of sad to watch as they didn't even think about it but that's how they drew themselves because that was the default you needed skin color skin color is this color and that's how i drew myself well and then if you want to get the darker colors you have to buy the multicultural pack yeah and pay extra mm-hmm. like in um dance the point shoes are always like a light mm-hmm. peachy tan they oh, i only now am i seeing uh, well, it's not even a lot, but more companies are starting to produce more uh, right. point shoes. This happened tights. with Band-Aids, too. Yeah. Band-Aids were typically a light color. Not going to lie to you. It was a game changer when those came out. I uh, hurt my arm recently, and I put that bad boy on. Didn't know it was there. Normally, people go, oh, you got an injury. Something's wrong with him. No, you can't tell anymore. Right, but the people making these decisions, I mean... It's easy to not think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a white person, it's easy to assume that, oh, that Band-Aid looks great on me. And But you know what this leads to? The importance of having diversity in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Because if a staff of white people were saying, like, you know, 
and it, not everyone is as as socially conscious of YouTube. I don't want to say woke because that's don't like that phrase anymore. Socially aware. But not everyone is when they're sitting in a boardroom and they go, uh, eh, we'll just keep making them the same color. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate you guys just answering my random questions. Um, just in this time, I know that there are conversations to be had. Um, some of them are very serious and some of them are, are smaller, but it's nice to know that we're all thinking it and in it together. So I appreciate you guys answering my questions. Thank you for tuning in to Gym City Diversity. Come back next week as we dive deeper into diversity and inclusion. For more information on NCCJ and diversity within the Miami Valley, visit our website, www.nccjgreaterdayton.org. Make sure to like NCCJ of Greater Dayton on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at nccj underscore of underscore greater underscore Dayton. And follow us on Twitter at nccjdayton.